Jump into our, our scripture text today, uh, and this sort of uh, takes us to, uh, I, I think, uh, to where we're going to go with our, our scripture reading as we study the book of Ephesians, and we're talking about today being made completely new. Um, you know, part of the thing that, um, you know, as I've been watching the NCAA basketball tournament, how many of y'all been watching some of those games and been observing some of the things that have been happening? And I just kind of ran across something that... Uh, this is on the, on the women's side, uh, Dawn Staley, who's the uh, coach, head coach at, at South Carolina for the women's program there. She said something back in 2018, uh, and Dawn played collegiately and professionally, uh, and has done, a, a, as a matter of fact, her team is ranked number one uh, in the country. Uh, they won it last year, uh, and uh, odds on favor to, end it, to, to win it again. But she said something that I thought was kind of, puts a, a sort of a, uh, in my mind, it, it brought me closer to what we're talking about even today. She said this back in 2018. She said, she said, I also know what me coaching here symbolizes in light of history. Now, she's in South Carolina. You know, uh, you know the history of, of this country in South Carolina is one of those places where, where, where slaves were brought to this country uh, and, and, uh, initially. She says, when I walk around different neighborhoods in this city, I hear black people say, I had never been on that campus before coming to your game. I understand that my success isn't about championships. It's about bringing together people who were once and in some ways still are divided. It's bigger than basketball. Everybody says it's bigger than basketball. She says, if I never won another championship, but my legacy was that to have changed the face of opportunity and united communities, I take that over most other things in this world. She says what she's doing as a coach is helping to bring a community together. And I sat there and I observed and I watched uh, some of these tournament games and they had some nail biters, uh, some last second shot victories. And I spanned the crowd and I looked at the diversity of that crowd and I looked at how that crowd was pulling together. I saw Arkansas win last night. Uh, and I saw black, white hugging each other, clapping, rejoicing because they had a common purpose on that day. And that common purpose was what? For our team to experience victory. And when I look at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we've been talking about uh, becoming one in Christ, it, 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 it boggles my mind how sometimes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can't come together on the common ground of Jesus Christ, him being Lord and Savior. And when you look at the salvation message, it's all about God bringing two together in one. And so my, my, my purpose as your pastor is for you to theologically understand what the gospel is all about. And not we theologically and spiritually understand what God's purpose is for the church. Are y'all with me today? And so I know and you know we taught this because we, we did our study. We did a probably a six-month-long study called Building a Multi-Ethnic Church. And when I saw those fans coming together, irregardless of ethnicity, and they were cheering together, they they were crying together, and they were hugging one another, it gave me a picture of what the church should be like when we focus on purpose and when we understand, amen, theological destiny and purpose for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? So we're going to go back into Ephesians, the second chapter uh, today. Uh, uh, well, first time going into as a, as a group, but we're studying this on Wednesdays. 
And so Ephesians chapter number two, we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. Coming together as one. Can I get a witness? And we're going to see that that was God's purpose for sending his son to die on the cross of Calvary so that we would come together under the blood. Doesn't matter if you're from New Orleans or Boulder City. You can come together under the blood. You from New Orleans, you may talk a little different. You may say, baby. But you can come together under the blood. Can I get a witness? I thought about Miss Bonnie Parker when I said that, baby. <laughs> All you New Orleans folks know what I'm talking about, don't you? So Ephesians chapter number two, verse number one. The text says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. It says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Everybody say refuse to obey God. Next verse says what? Let's read. All of us used to live in that way. All right, let's stop, park here. How many of y'all are willing to admit that before you came to Christ, you were something else? <laughs> before you were born again, you, 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 were, you were, yeah. Everybody said, thank God for grace. Mary, Mary Tubb said, thank God for grace. <laughs> he says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Let's read on. He says this. Next verse. But God is so rich in mercy, and he did what? He loved us. So much. Keep reading. That even though we were dead because of our. Come on, let's read. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace. That you have been what? That you have been saved. Let's keep reading. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Let's keep going down to verse 10. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a what? So none of us can brag about how good we are because the truth be told compared to holiness all of us are like filthy rags. Let's go to the next verse. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Next verse. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us, what? Long ago. Long ago. All right, so we're going to, let's, let's unpack some of this and we, we'll see if we can, Hit this in the remaining time that we have. Amen. Now, if you all recall, in the first chapter of Ephesians, we learned about the plan of God, of God the Father, to redeem us, mankind, from our sins. You all remember that? You remember that God the Father is the author of the plan, right? Jesus Christ is the executor of the plan. 
And the Holy Spirit is the revealer of the plan. See, nothing that we learn about God cannot be learned in earnest unless the Holy Spirit gives us the revelation. I've said it before and I said it again, too many Christians try to pick up the Bible and read it like an ordinary textbook. And we try to gain understanding through our, uh, our natural wisdom. But we discovered on last week that I told you that in the book of First Corinthians, it told us that the things of God cannot be understood unless the spirit of God gives us revelation. Can, can we park here? And, and I know I'm great. I hope I'm not throwing you off too much. Let's go back to First Corinthians, if you will. First Corinthians chapter number. Oh, glory. Oh, yes. First Corinthians chapter number two. And let's go to uh, to verse number 10, number 10. First Corinthians chapter number two. And we're going to look at verse number 10. The apostle Paul is talking here to the church at Corinth. Notice what he says after saying after uh, talking about. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He says in verse 10, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. How? For his spirit searches out everything and shows us what? God's deep secrets. Who? I'm not going to say what because it's, it's who. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He says here, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. His spirit shows us God's what? His deep secrets. Next verse. Let's read it. It says, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. Right? And no one can know God's thoughts except God's what? Gone on Spirit. So no one knows what you're thinking right now except you. Right? We're here in this in this service, and no one really knows what's going on in your mind, Daisy. Nobody, Gary, nobody knows. Vaughn, nobody knows what you're thinking right now. Sister Galway, no, nobody knows what you think except you, your spirit, unless you say something. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all may be thinking. I hope he doesn't go too long today. I'm hungry right now. Where are we going to eat? Some of y'all's greatest revelation on Sunday morning is where are we going to eat after church? No one knows what you're thinking except the spirit that's on the inside of you. And, and, by, and by, by, by virtue of that same concept, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God reveals it to them. That's why it's important for us to be filled with the Spirit. That's why it's important for us to be controlled by the Spirit. Because the Spirit is the revealer of the plan of God for our life. The Spirit is the revealer of the truths that are in God's Word. No one can know a man's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know how God's thoughts, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Verse number 12, let's read it. It says what? Uh, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely what? Given us. Verse 13. When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit words to explain 
spiritual truth. So, so mark this in your, in your memory bank. You can't understand the things of God except the spirit of God reveal them to you. All right. You, 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 you may be the most intelligent person in the world. You may have a doctorate in whatever you have a doctorate in. But I'm telling you, the things of God are not revealed except the spirit of God. Amen. Give us the revelation. So we see that God, the father, is the author of the plan. Jesus Christ is the executor of the plan. And the Holy Spirit is the revealer of the plan. The theme of this second chapter, which, which we get in our text from today, is the work of Jesus on the cross to put the plan of God into effect. Okay? The theme in this second chapter is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to put the plan of God into effect. Remember that this plan was ordained, we found out last week, from the foundation of the world so that God could bring us to himself as his children. Before the world was ever created, God already had his plan ready. Because he's a God, he's not bound by time like we are, I told you on last week. God, with God, one day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, we discovered. So he always has been. It's hard for us to grasp that because we are creatures bound by time, but God always has been. So his plan was ordained before the foundation of the world. To redeem man from his sins, Jesus would have to suffer the penalty of sin, which is death. Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through whom? Jesus Christ, our Lord. So sin has a penalty and that penalty is death. But I thank God that we've been redeemed from the power of sin over our life. Aren't you glad about that? So as we look at this thing, let's look at four specific works revealed in, in this chapter, okay? First of all, we see sins work against us. Let's go back to uh, verses 1 through 3. We see sins work against us. In these first three verses of the chapter, Paul gives us a vivid picture of the condition the unsaved person finds himself in. I think it's always good for us as born-again believers to remember how we were before Christ came into our life. And, and when I say remember it, don't remember it from a sense of nostalgia like, I wish I could go back to those days. All right? But remember from the standpoint of understanding where you were, what we were, dead in our trespasses and sin. Are you with me today? It's good to remember where the Lord has brought us from. Right? Now, I don't want anybody here Looking back in your memory, back, you're talking about, yeah, you know, man, I remember back in the day, man, I had about five women at one time. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I was a player of the players. Don't go back and, and remember from that standpoint. Maybe you were a player of the players, but thank God he saved you and kept, kept your little tail from going to hell. It's good to look back and see where the Lord has brought you from. And also, it's good to be able to tell your story. Your story can be an encouragement for somebody else. Are you with me today? And when we look back and tell our story like the Apostle Paul oftentimes did, he told what he did before he came to Christ. And it's good to say what the Lord has brought you from. And because I, what I've discovered is too many Christians are embarrassed to say where the Lord has delivered them from. But when the Lord releases you to tell it, tell your story. Because your story can be an encouragement to somebody else who's dealing with the very same thing that you dealt with. And they, if they see that the Lord delivered you, it gives them the hope and the courage and the faith to say, if he did it for you, he can do it for me. 
If he did it for Brenda, he can do it for Doyle Adams. If he did it for Terry, he can do it for Danny Thomas. Are y'all with me today? So don't be ashamed to tell your story. Don't be ashamed to say where the Lord has brought you from. So when you look back and remember that, just remember where the Lord has brought you from. Not from the standpoint you want to go back there. Amen? Is everybody with me? So, so, so watch this. Watch. So, in, in, in the first three verses of chapter three, Paul gives us, again, a vivid picture of the condition the unsaved person finds himself in. So sin works against us. First of all, the unsaved person is dead. Everybody say he's dead. Now, when it says dead here, of course, this means spiritually dead. That is, the unsaved person is unable to understand and appreciate spiritual things. And I will also add to if you are a a, a baby Christian or a carnal minded Christian, in other words, thinking worldly, in other words, you spend no time in word, but you spend all your time watching uh, reality shows. You spend all your time surfing social media. You spend all your time uh, TikToking. Yeah, how many of y'all know what TikTok is? Let me see your hands. Let me see. How many of y'all got a TikTok account? Chinese don't stole all your information in. All right, all right, in there, in Don't spend all your time engulfed in social media uh, and trying to figure out what everybody else is doing. We have to spend time in the word of God. A carnal minded Christian is one who's a baby Christian who has not grown in their faith. And Paul talked about that. That Corinthian church was a church that was full of spiritual babies. There was envy, uh, jealousy, strife within that church because not enough people were growing in their faith. I want EBC and God desires for EBC to be a place where Christians are growing in their faith and understanding the things of God, understanding our purpose so we can walk in that divine destiny. We can be an authentic community of believers who are going about advancing kingdom agenda everywhere we go. We said every Sunday, who are we? We are what? Disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have what? Kingdom impact in our home. Stop, stop. You can't come to church and have kingdom impact and go home and be hell on wheels. See, we need to live it everywhere we go. In our homes, where? Schools, on our jobs, and what? The community at large. What are we going to do? We're going to reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we are seeking to become. Now, well, I, I will admit to you that we're not there, and we won't fully get there until we see Jesus face to face. But we ought to see progress. If you've been saved for any prolonged period of time, there should be some evidence of transformation in your life. All right? Some things that I used to do, I don't do anymore. The old folks say the places I used to go, I don't go there anymore because a change, a transformation has taken place on the inside. So, so, so again, sin is at work in us. Once you were what? Dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So dead means that we were spiritually dead. He, the, the, the sinner has no life and he cannot do anything of himself to please God. Now, if you read that same verse in the KJV, that verse one says, and you have to quicken who were dead in trespasses in sin. Trespasses in the Greek is the word paraptima. Everybody say paraptima. The Greek word paraptima, which is, is translated blunder. 
In other words, this will be unknown sins. How many of y'all know sometimes you do stuff that you don't know is wrong that you did it when you did it? That's called a blunder, unknown sin. So he says, he, he says, and you have to quicken who are dead in what? Trespasses and sin. So we have what? Unknown sin. And, and in other words, this will be, again, unknown sin. The Greek word for sins here is homartia. Everybody say homartia. Homartia means known sin. You knew it was sin when you went over to the house at 11 o'clock at night when you were going to store getting milk. You were going to the store to get some milk and stayed an hour and a half. And you left the store. You got the milk, but you left the store and you slid by Sally's house. Can I talk to us in normal terms? Can I talk to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because this stuff was this kind of stuff was going on in churches. We saw it in Corinth. And we know from our study that Ephesus was a city uh, that, that, that sexual decadence was prevalent throughout society. We know from our study that the Jesus Christ, amen, through the Apostle Paul, planted a church in a place where it was economic viability and sexual uh, 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 freedom, as you will. The temple of the goddess Diana, the sex goddess, was there, and they, they, they worshiped the Lord through sexual orgies in that they didn't worship the Lord. They worship through sexual orgies at the temple of the goddess Diana. Now, not talking about the church, but the world did. So into that environment, we got to recognize that if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves being carnal minded, still doing things that we've been delivered from. And the only way you can stop doing things you've been delivered from is to grow in your. Are y'all still with me today? Seemed like when I said that something re- resonated in my spirit, something something just jumped up inside of me and said, Pastor, hit that a little uh, one more time. The church, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine the other day. The church, actually, if we're honest about it, has a sin problem. And if we're going to be effective in reaching people, we can't live on both sides of the street. In other words, none of us are perfect, mind you, but we can't have a lifestyle of sin, a practicing lifestyle of sin, and and expect to be effective in advancing the kingdom agenda. Because when we're out there in the world doing our dirt, the world is watching us. And the world is observing how we do life. And if I'm doing life not in accordance to God's word, the world is marking it down. So that when you go to try to tell them about Christ, they're like, mm, I don't know about your God because I see what you're doing. I see how you respond. I see how you are acting. And I don't want, want any part of that. So, so, so come on. And you have to be quickened who were dead in what? Unknown sin and known sin. Are you with me? Unknown sin, which is blunder, paraptima, and hamartia, which is known sin. The sinner today is not only lost in the sins he he knows about, but he's also lost in those he doesn't know about. God made us alive from both types of sin and raised us up through the work of the cross. In the Bible, death means separation. Everybody say separation. Not only physical separation, but spiritual separation. When a human being dies on this earth, 
what simply happens is that person is still living. But something happens when physical death takes place. The spirit man is separated from the physical body. The physical body goes back to the earth from which man came. The spirit man will spend eternity in one of two places or hell. I know it's not kosher to talk about heaven. It's not kosher to talk about hell in today's churches, but hell is a real place. And heaven is a real place. Heaven is a place that's prepared for people who prepare to go there. And hell is a place for people who don't prepare to go to heaven. And we go there by accepting the saving work of Christ Jesus. I don't care. So, again, let's look at it. Sin works against us because, number one, the unsaved person is dead. Number two, the unsaved person is disobedient. In other words, he, whether consciously or unconsciously, that unsaved person is walking in sin. He's controlled by the values and the attitudes of this world. In other words, of this world system. This started in the Garden of Eden. I remember when Adam and Eve were given a choice. God placed them there and says, don't eat from this certain tree. The tree of knowledge is good and evil. But they chose to disobey God. And ever since then, every person who's born, I love those little beautiful babies that we just dedicated, uh, Sue and, and, and Kayla. They are so awesome, but they're little sinners. I know that don't sound good to you, but they're little sinners. Now, they're, they're, they're innocent from the standpoint that they can't, they can't even make decisions for themselves. But everybody who's born into this world since Adam and Eve were born in sin and shaping iniquity. So there's a need for at some point in time when those babies mature enough and they're at the age of accountability where they're going to be given the charge to make a decision for Christ or against Christ. Are y'all with me? All right. Did I offend some of y'all when I said that? Some of y'all said, my baby ain't no sinner. Yes, he is. <laughs> all of us were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. So all of us have need of a savior. So, so, so uh, disobedience. And guys, th- again, it started in the Garden of Eden. Uh, you know, the prince of the power of the air uh, is Satan. And he is at work trying to destroy what God wants to do in your life. I, I recall... Uh, if you will, uh, let's go to Daniel, the 10th chapter, and look at verse number 12. Daniel, chapter 10. This, this, y'all, how many of y'all remember Daniel? Daniel was an a, 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 a individual that would take him into Babylonian captivity, along with some other brothers. But Daniel stood firm in his faith in his God. And Daniel had received a vision, and he wanted to know what that vision was because it disturbed him. Now, I'm, I'm only sharing this to show you how the enemy is at work trying to disrupt what God is trying to do in your life. Many Christians don't realize that we're engaged in spiritual warfare. And we think our enemy is the people across the street. When in actuality, our enemy is Satan. He's a real devil with real demons at his disposal. And so we see something that happens here. This is one place in Scripture where the, the Bible pulls back what's happening in the unseen heavenly realm to give us a glimpse of, of spiritual warfare that's taking place. Can we look at it right quick? So he, he, he had a vision, and he was disturbed about what he saw. Then he said, again, 
Now this angel approaches Daniel. So this is where we come to in this text. You read the whole chapter when you get home. Don't have time to go there because my time is running. But watch this. Then he said, don't be afraid. The angel said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. He said, the first day you prayed it, we heard your words. Look at the next verse. Watch this. But for 21 days, everybody say 21 days. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. All right. The first day that Daniel played for understanding, his words were heard in heaven. The angel was coming from heaven, from God, down through the heavenlies to bring the message to Daniel. But something happened on his way from heaven down to earth. He got into spiritual warfare, conflict with a demonic spirit. Watch the text. It says, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Watch this. Watch this. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, park there for a second. I only share this because I need you to understand what's happening here. When we pray, when we bombard heaven and we're looking for an answer, sometimes we got, we got to make sure that we stand in faith and trust God because our answer is on the way, but there's spiritual warfare taking place in the heavenlies. KJV says, I've come for your words. And the angel, the angel told him I've, the, from the very day we, we heard it and I've come to fulfill those words, to, to answer to your words that you prayed to heaven. But there's spiritual warfare taking place. So how do we affect spiritual warfare in heaven? When we learn how to stand in faith, when we learn how to speak the word of God rather than what we feel and what the devil has shown us. Speak what you believe in God for. What do you mean by that, brother Pastor? Well, if I pray, God open this door of opportunity. I'm not gonna sit, sit back and start saying, "Well, I hope He do it." I don't know though. Maybe God don't want me to have it. Well, you know, I don't know. It, you know, my sister tried and she didn't. It, she didn't. She wasn't successful, so maybe I can't do it. No, that's not faith. That's doubt and unbelief. My job is to stand in faith and to speak what I what I prayed about. If you're not gonna believe it. If you're not going to if you're not going to say what you pray, then you may not even need to pray because prayer means that I'm trusting that God is going to do what I'm asking him to do. Or he's going to give me the answer that fits my life, because every time some stuff we pray for, we, 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 we probably don't need to get. or We're not ready for it yet. Amen. Can I get a witness? So spiritual warfare is happening in the heavens. So so the sinner uh, sin works against us because remember what we're dead. We were disobedient, we were depraved, we were doomed to hell, but God chose to come deliver us. So what, what about God's work in us? Go back to Ephesians, the second chapter, verse four through nine. What about God's work in us? And a lot of this stuff we're going to unpack as we cover chapter two on Wednesday, but I want to kind of give you an overview of where we're heading because this book is very important for us to have wisdom and understanding on. Go back to chapter two, verse four says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us. What? So much. Next verse says what? That even though we were dead because of our sins, all of us were there. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been what? Saved. Next verse. Let's go. Let's go. 
says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and sealed us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We are united with Christ. Uh, verse number nine, let's read. He says this, seven, I'm sorry. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his what? Grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he's done for us who are united with Christ. Eight, 89 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 10, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So what is he saying here? Jesus Christ gave a sacrifice. He died a sacrificial death on the cross so that you and I could have relationship with the God who created the heavens and earth. And as a result of that, we can rejoice, but we can't brag. All right. How many of y'all have ever uh, been in contact with Christians who try to brag on how much good that they've done? Listen, it's good that we work for the Lord. Our working for the Lord is not what saves us. We work because we've been saved, but we're saved simply because Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice out on Calvary's Hill. He died for us and gave us the privilege, if we accept that sacrificial death, to enter into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. So God's work is in us, God's work for us is that Jesus Christ gave his life for us. He loved us. By his very nature, God is love. Are y'all with me today? Go with me, if you will, to 1 John, the fourth chapter. Look at verses 7 through 8. 1 John, the fourth chapter. And we'll look at verses 7 through 8. God loved us, guys. That's why he, he did what he did for us out on Calvary. He loved us. He gave, he showed us unfailing and rich mercy and grace. And I'm thankful for that. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from who? God. God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Watch this, next verse. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. Now let me ask you a question. How is it that you, you or I make a profession that we love God, but we don't like people or we don't love people. That's actually a, a contradiction in terms because if I say I love God and God abides on the inside of me and God is love and God loves people, then I, as a born again believer, even though there's some people I may not like, but I got to love them. I may not like your ways, but I got to love you. I have to love you enough to say that I am wanting to let what happened to me be a part of your life also. So God loved me. He changed me. He transformed me. And now I love you. I tell people all the time, if you don't like people, you're going to have a hard time doing ministry. Let me, I want y'all to be honest with me. Can we be honest today? I believe in being honest. How many of y'all know some people that's in your circle, whether it's work circle, family circle, uh, you know, whatever it may be, neighborhood circle, that you really don't kind of like being around them. Okay, y'all, all y'all lying over here. Let me go hit the folks. <laughs> How many of y'all have some people in your circle that you really aren't anxious to be around? As a matter of fact, you, you really, when you see them coming, you want to go the other way. Listen. Is there anybody? Okay, all right. 
I'm going to give y'all a chance to redeem y'all selves over here. How many of y'all have some people in your circle who you're like, I'd really rather not be around them? How many of y'all work with some people who you're like, Lord Jesus, don't let me be a sign of them today? My point is this. Unless we understand the love of God and embrace it and to know that God loves people no matter how fallible, no matter how sinful they may be, God loves people and God's plan and purpose is to redeem mankind back to himself. And he wants to use you, 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 all of us as a vehicle, as a vessel to go and reach somebody with the gospel. But how can you reach him if you're running away from him? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, brother pastor, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saved and I'm a deacon on the deacon board and I just don't, I don't fool with sinners. Why are you going to reach sinners if you don't fool with sinners? If you notice Jesus's life, he spent a whole lot of time hanging out with sinners. He spent a whole lot of time eating with sinners. So next time, yo, next week, take a sinner to lunch. Don't tell him he's a sinner when you take it, but just <laughs> don't go and say, well, my pastor told me to take a sinner to lunch. You want to go? <laughs> You're probably going to offend them. I got to explain it to some of y'all. Some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all just, some of y'all just raw. You can't it. use some wisdom and some grace. Just say, hey, listen, man, let's, let's uh, you know. My, pal, my pastor challenged me to, to, to just bless somebody. I want to bless you with lunch. And just start hanging out with somebody who, who based off of their lifestyle and their conversation, you, you can pretty much surmise that they don't know Jesus. Life be a light to them. Amen? You got family members who you need to let your light shine. Instead of fussing and cussing, let your light shine. This little light of mine Whoa, this little light of mine. This little light of mine. Let it. Okay. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank you. Everywhere I go. All in my home. That's what you really need to let it shine in your home. All right, so the light of the gospel should be prevalent and noticeable in our life. And, and, and let it be so noticeable to where you don't let anybody, anybody stop you from letting that light shine. I was, I was you know, I, I thought about this. It, sometimes stuff comes to my mind. I'm, I'm not, I don't, it just comes to my mind. And I just, I, I have these examples that be rolling around in my mind. I, I thought about when I was growing up, there was a song that, that it, it wasn't a whole lot to it, but there's a group called, it's an R&B group, R&B funk group called Brick. Y'all remember Brick? Yeah. And they had a song that didn't have a whole lot of uh, word, it, words to it, but that chorus would say, ain't going to hurt nobody to get on down. It ain't going to hurt nobody to get on down. That's all it said. It ain't going to hurt nobody to get on down. Don't stop me. And I won't stop you. That's what it said. And I thought about that. It ain't going to hurt nobody to praise the Lord. It ain't going to hurt nobody to praise the Lord. It ain't going to hurt nobody to praise the Lord. Don't stop me. And I won't stop you. 
See, coming to your presence, praising him, living for him, and showing people that there's a God on the inside of you. People need to see Jesus in you. So don't let nobody stop you from praising the Lord. And certainly don't let anybody stop you from living for the Lord. Because people need to see the light that's on the inside of you. Can I get a witness? Now watch. So, so God, 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 God works. Uh, we sin works against us, but God works for us by, by, by loving us and by, by showing us his rich mercy. God is rich in mercy. And mercy, mercy is grace in action, y'all. When grace is displayed toward man, it's called mercy. Mercy brings God's grace to lost man. The principle is also seen in man. God has given to each of his children the measure of faith. Everybody say the measure of faith. It's the means of receiving God's grace, but it does no good until it is put into action. Faith without works is what? Dead. What faith is put into action, when faith is put into action, it is called believing. Believing is faith in action. It's one thing to say I believe, but true belief will always, everybody say always, will always be backed up by corresponding action. What do you mean by that, Brother Pastor? Uh, If I told you right now that these are the keys, and they are, to a 2018 GMC Yukon XL that I drive. It's black and I keep it clean. And the first person up here to get these keys can take it. It's already paid for. I will transfer the title to you. And if you come to this altar, you can have these keys in my truck. Now, most of y'all did not move because you didn't believe there's no way that that preacher is going to give his truck away. But if I. If I told you the first person to this altar will get a hundred dollars because I got my checkbook back there, you would come, wouldn't you? Because you see most. Come on, baby. Come on, come on, come on. Come here. Come here. Come on. This baby moved. She got up. Because I think somewhere in in your mind, you believed me, didn't you? You did? Well, I'm going to give you $100. All right? Because you believe me. Your belief spurred you to action. Go sit down, Teresa. God bless you, baby. That child moved, all right? Listen, I'm serious. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. What, what am I trying to illustrate? Belief will be backed up in what we do. A lot of people say one thing, say that they believe God, but their action dictates and determines they don't really believe him. Faith without works is dead. Are y'all tracking with me? When faith is put into action, it's called believing. Faith produces the ability within people to receive the grace of God. And God's grace always comes first so that our faith has something to receive. Mercy is God. Listen to this. Mercy is God reaching out to man and believing is man reaching out to God. Mm. He quickened us. He made us alive. He made us alive. Now, listen, 
I, I, I recognize that I'm not going to finish this message today. All right. But we, we, we get the first part of it because the second part is one that is, is a doctrinal and a theological construct that I, I need everybody to understand because the whole of, of the gospel message is that God, through his son, Jesus, through the blood, the Bible says in the case of it, it broke down Jesus death on the cross, broke down the middle wall of partition that divided Jew and Gentile. So much so that now in Christ Jesus, there are no longer Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free, for we all are one in Christ Jesus. And we need to grasp that and understand that because if you don't grasp that and understand that, then you'll divide yourself from people based on denominationalism, based on ethnicity, and the blood, the common purpose, is no longer your God in life. It's what you look like on the outside. It's what kind of music is played. People will divide, and, and, and people can do their own thing, and you can have your preferences, but why would you let music divide you from serving God together? It's because a lot of us are selfish, and we want everything our way. If it's not my way, I'm leaving. And that's the, that's the, the selfishness of mankind to the point to where we won't do things that God has told us to do. So we got to understand that God's plan What's to bring mankind to himself? Go to Galatians 3, 7, 7, 8, and 9. And Brent, if you will, pop that up in the KJV, and I'm going to stop on this one. God's work in us and God's work through us. God's work for us, in us, and through us. Watch. Y'all with me? I started off by telling you about Dawn Staley and the statement that she made. What she's doing is more than just coaching basketball. She's opening up relationships and causing people to connect who otherwise would not have connected. And what I'm telling you is the gospel should drive you to connect with people who you would otherwise not connect with. Because if the truth be told, most of us want to hang around people who are just like us. Uh-huh. If the truth be told. And I'm into telling the truth. You want to be around people who make you comfortable. And what I'm telling you is, is that there needs to be enough love of God on the inside of us that says, I want to, I, God use me to reach people who, who, may, who I, I wouldn't ordinarily hang out with, but because of the gospel, I'm seeking out people like Jesus did. I'm going I'm to seek out some tax collectors. I'm going to seek out some, uh, some, 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 some prostitutes like he did uh, on, on, on numerous occasions. I'm going to seek out the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who was a half Jew and a half Gentile, who Jews and Gentiles didn't get along, neither did Samaritans and Jews. But Jesus approached the woman that the other disciples wouldn't even dare to approach in public. He was sending us a message that my gospel is for everybody. And my gospel is designed to bring everybody together under one common purpose, under the blood of Christ. Watch what he says here. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Next verse says what? And the scripture foreseeing that God justify the heathen through faith. When he says heathen here, he's talking about the, really the Gentiles, those who didn't have a covenant with God. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach before what? Preach before what? The gospel 
Under whom? Abraham lived before Jesus ever was in the earth. Now, Jesus always was because he, he is part of Godhead. Not, nothing was created without him creating it. But when it comes to the way we keep time, we see here, he says that the gospel was preached before under Abraham saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. How would all nations be blessed in him? They'd be blessed in him because through his seed, Jesus Christ, who came down through, as we said, the old preacher said, came down through 42 generations to be born in a manger in Bethlehem through his seed, Abraham's seed, the message of the cross and God will be available to not only the Jews, but the Gentiles also. Look at verse number nine. Watch this, watch this. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Paul, who's writing this letter, was writing it and he's writing it to a primarily Gentile church like he was here in Ephesians. And he's letting them know. And we're going to see when we come back together the first Sunday, we're going to let he's letting them know that this message is available not only to my chosen people, the Jews, but it's available to the Gentiles also. And through the blood of Christ, there's commonality through the blood of Christ. Amen. Everything else. Amen. Takes a secondary seat. The blood of Christ and the message of Christ should trump, amen, your denomination. The message of Christ should trump your ethnicity. Be proud of who you are. Celebrate who you are, but don't let who you are usurp the gospel message. The blood of Christ, amen, takes precedent over everything. Are y'all with me today? So, 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 so then they be, with your faith are blessed with faith. So the gospel preacher Abraham saying you're going to be the father of many nations. Through your seed, the whole world is going to be blessed. And we're going to see as we get to the last part of this chapter, guys, listen, separation is no longer the order of the day because Jesus brings us together under the blood. And Paul caught a whole lot of flack as a result of that message. But guess what he did? He prayed. He didn't let it stop him from doing what God told him to do. He was a Jew taking the gospel message to the Gentiles. His own people and even the Gentiles persecuted him. But Paul knew that God had given him an assignment. And I'm here to tell you, God has given each one of you in here an assignment also. And that assignment is to represent him to whoever he sends you to represent him to. He desires for you to be an example of the cross in your individual life. He desires you to be a unifier rather than a a divider. He desires for you to be the one that says, I'm going to take this message of unity that Jesus prayed about in John, the 17th chapter, and I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to live it out in my everyday life. My question to you today is, are you willing to take the message? Are you willing to be ridiculed and talked about because of the message of the gospel. Are you willing to say, for God I live and for God I'm going to die? Are you willing? Are you willing to be the unifier that God has called you to be? That's my question to you today. He did so much for us. He works in us and through us to help us be what he called and ordained for us to be. Every head, body, back, close.